Hey Bluntheads, this is Greg. This is Bluntcast number two of our live late night Philly talk show on Facebook Live via Zoom. Uh, This is the audio version of it. This one features Victor Fiorillo, a repeat guest from Philly Mag, and he's just a guy who's got his finger on what's happening in Philly, the good and the bad, places that are staying open when they shouldn't, things people are doing to help each other get by, all that stuff. So he's quite informative and perfect for this. Check out Facebook if you have us, Facebook Live between 8 and 10. Sometimes we'll go on there, we'll give you notice. Uh, We'll also put them up on YouTube, and this is the audio version of it. So, audio again is not great because it's video conference, but uh, it's fun and uh, get involved. Follow us, especially if you're on Facebook. Follow us so you can uh, interact live, send us questions, and maybe hop on and go through a Philly blunt of your own and uh, wash those hands. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is John of Good Times. I'm Reef. I see it, but it says live on Facebook on my uh, phone. All right. I don't believe it. Yeah. Hey, Victor, welcome to the welcome to the old guys with the technology show. Uh, <laughs> we might be live. We might not. We yeah, we're don't live. know. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're excited to have everybody here tonight. Uh, we have a uh, terrific guest. We've had him on the show before. And uh, in this most surreal week of uh, f- perhaps in Philadelphia history, uh, he's been writing some really interesting shit. Victor Fiorillo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I mean, who, um, else, are, who else are you going to turn to for guidance in these difficult times but Victor Fiorillo? That's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I mean, thank God we've got you, we, so we can finally get some answers. Uh, yeah. Because we're all just in this existential crisis, and we know that you know you're you're, you're covering the, the the stories that matter most. And one of those stories is Philadelphia speakeasies in uh, the coronavirus era, and we want to ask you a bit about that. What you know? First of all, what made you think of the story? And secondly, how did it come about? Yeah, how do you find this place? What made me think of it was a friend of mine sent me a text and said, what bars are open? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, what do you mean they're all shut down? Now, uh, you know, the Delco, Bucks, and Chester uh, bars had all shut down already. And then this was on the night when Philly bars had shut down at 5 p.m. So at this point, this was like 7 p.m. on... Uh, Monday night. So nothing is open, right? Because the city places have all shut down. A lot of the city places shut down even before this. And then the stuff in the suburbs, you know, had been shut down since Sunday. So there's like literally nowhere you could go drink. Or at least that's what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so that, 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 that piqued your curiosity and you're like, actually, you know what? I, I want to know exactly where, where I can get a beer. Yeah, do you, put well, feelers, do you put feelers out there, like, or are you just randomly walking around? Well, it was too cold, uh, and the geographic area I was in did not really allow for walking around. Uh, we're not talking about Passionk Avenue here. Um, so I did put out some feelers, and uh, I, got, uh, I got a lead, and so I headed out. 
and the lead turned out to be no good. Mm. And they sent you on a wild goose chase. Yeah, I mean, I think the information was good, but that the place had just recently, like, meaning like within 20 minutes before I got there, had closed. <laughs> so I was about to leave, but the, and it was really cold outside, if you remember, on Monday, and I wasn't dressed properly because I wasn't planning on, like, running around. Right. And uh, I was about to Uber the heck out of there and got another message on my phone saying, oh, this place is open. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. But the place that they were talking about was not very far from the place that I was at. So I thought, you know what? It's, wa- it's worth me taking the quick ride over there to see what the deal is. And it turned out that they were open. And it turned out that there were, I mean, I've since learned that there are several more places open. But that night, I confirmed that there were three places open. You know, and the one place that I spent the most time in said, you know, that they weren't going to shut down. So are they are they regulating like how many people can come in? Like, did it feel clean? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, it, did, what what was your take on it? They definitely were not regulating how many people would come in, but also also I will say it wasn't you know a packed kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly they were operating outside of the law. Now the governor's office didn't actually start enforcing any of this until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so St. Patrick's Day was on Tuesday, and I'm aware of places that were open on Tuesday. And I think the governor's office was like, eh, let them have their Tuesday, their St. Patrick's Day, drink some green beer, hopefully not spread the virus, it's going to kill people. Um, and it was Wednesday night at 8 p.m. that he started, uh, you know, that they really started enforcing this. Mm-hmm. Was this... Was there- was this a place you had been before, the place you found that was open? Had you been there before? I had been there before. It was not a place that I frequented. Okay. But I, I wasn't really known to the people in there, let's say, uh, overall. But there are people that I know that go to that place. Could, it, could anybody walk in or did you have to knock and have someone let you in? Well, that's what I was surprised about. The front door was just open. Uh, you just pulled on it and it opened. Now, they did have the neon turned off uh, out front. Uh, but there were lights coming out. So I just tried the door and walked right in. And now I will say one of the other two places that I popped into that night, they had their neon on and everything. They were like, you know, we're here. We've got beer. Do you, you know, obviously things are moving extremely fast. Do you, do you think that even by now that that's probably all getting shut down or do you think there's still going to be kind of a black market operating here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what area you're in. I've, I've certainly heard anecdotally from sources of mine that, you know, I would trust that there are places that you can go where you go through the back door. Um, especially if you know the owner, I'm not talking about, you know, places like, Fergie's or Bob and Barbara's or sort of like reputable neighborhood bars that are uh, an important part of the fabric of Philadelphia. You know, there are just all these random bars out there in various neighborhoods that maybe don't get so much traffic. Um, And so I, I know for a fact that more are operating um, and I don't know what their, what their fate is. What, What do you think, you know, you're a guy that covers a fair amount of Philadelphia bars, Philadelphia restaurants. You know, that's, that's part of your beat, you know, not all of it, but what do you think these guys are feeling in terms of 
uh, outcome. You know, there, you talk about Fergie, you talk about Bob and Barbara's. I mean, we're talking about absolute Philadelphia, like institutions. And everybody's got to be horrified because the bar and, and restaurant business is going to get wiped out if, if something doesn't happen soon. Have you talked to anybody at any of these places uh, that wow. are telling you anything? Sure. I mean, I've spoken with a number of restaurant owners and um, bar owners in Philadelphia. You know, right now they're keeping the faith. As everybody keeps saying, it's a fluid situation. It's a constantly evolving situation. We really don't know what the future holds. Could places reasonably be open a month from now? I think there are a fair number of people who believe that that's, that's true. Right. Could it be three months? I think there are people who believe that that's true. It's constantly changing. You know, we've heard some crazy numbers that I don't even want to think about in terms of how long we might be on, you know, quote unquote lockdown. So, um, but you know, there are some operations where the owners are well bankrolled and, um, you know, they're in a position to, I know some places are keeping their staff, you know, paying their staffs a little extra money that they don't quote unquote legally have to pay them. But you know, there's some bar owners who are great and really care about their staffs. And there are some who are just like, eh, sorry, you know, Sure. You know, I've, I've always said like everybody attaches uh, labels to different like uh, businesses. And to me, I, I feel like as somebody that's kind of like been in a bunch of different fields, there's the same percentage of assholes in most of them. Right. You know, like I feel like, you know, we can say, oh, this this group of people are jerks or these group of people are awesome. Uh, but, um, you know, like I, I feel like in general, like it typically kind of works itself out like there's a certain amount that are jerks and certain certain amount that are cool and sure. um you know I, I i don't know if if bar owners and restaurant owners are any different i mean i i i like almost every bar owner and restaurant owner i've been uh you know i've done quizzos with or done events with or whatever like i you feel do like quizzo? oh oh really oh really yeah yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, listen, anytime a business closes, no matter what the reason is, when they close suddenly, I mean, you hear this all the time. Suddenly a business shuts its doors. The servers didn't know anything about it. They're suddenly out of a job. I'm talking about during normal times. We get letters all the time like, I can't believe this. They just shut the doors. They didn't tell anybody. Well, that's the common practice. That's what most people do. Most, most, I mean, there are people out there who handle it differently, but most restaurant and bar owners aren't like, oh, listen, you know, a month from now, we're going to be closing down and you're going to be out of a job. These are much more abrupt things normally. Now, in this situation, we're in completely different times. Everything is totally screwed up. Um, you know, we've been getting emails about a certain Philly restaurateur, um, about how this person is, um, you know, unethically dealing with his staff. I don't know all the details, but what I do know is like nobody really expected this to, to happen. And so, you know, we're sort of waiting for our legislators to decide how these things should be handled, you know, how unemployment's going to be handled. There are a lot of fundraisers right now out there for bar and restaurant workers, uh, but they're uncertain times. Yeah. What are your sure. thoughts on the, um, you, you got it or do you want no, no, I go? go for it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was gonna, I was gonna ask my, my, I was curious about restaurants that are uh, 
you know, momentum's a big deal in, in that field. If you're just getting started, you're just starting to get a buzz. People are just starting to know about your place. How is that impacting people that, like, you know, you mentioned a lot of restaurants that have been around forever that are always going to have people coming. What about the guys that are just kind of getting started? Can they recover from this? Are they still going to have people wanting to check them out if, you know, three months down the line, people have kind of forgotten that they even existed? Right. You know, I think you have your forsythias of the city where, you know, the hot restaurant right now, I think people are anxious for forsythia to open up in three months. I think Elvez, you know, is always crowded. Um, you know, you could name a bunch of restaurants. There are obviously going to be a lot of restaurants that do not make it through this. And I don't also don't necessarily think it's about how popular they were. There are a lot of restaurants that have been around forever that aren't like we don't really care about, but they manage to stay open because they have good operators who understand numbers. Um, you know, I can think of a few off the top of my head that are restaurants that aren't really newsmakers. They're not super popular but they've been there for a long time because these restaurant owners understand how the business is done. The, the, right. I got to take out tonight. It's a whole, it's a, everything now is so stress, stressful, but so I got to take out tonight from a Thai place. I like on South street and just the bag gets dropped off at like at my door, but just bringing it in and touching the food and wiping stuff down. I must've washed my hands like at least six times. Not not exaggerating at least six times between touching different things and cleaning different things. It's a crazy, crazy stressful time, man. Well, you mentioned know, like, the, takeout. The, the takeout is all they have right now. You mentioned the takeout. And I mean, I have to be honest, I, I, do, I, I can't see that lasting for much longer no. if things go the way yeah. that they're going. I'm happy for my friends who own restaurants um, and who work doing these deliveries that this is existing. I honestly don't know if it's a res the, the right or responsible thing right. to be doing. Well, so much of it is going to sit down in the atmosphere of the restaurant, right? Like, I know I've been ordering out, but from, like, my local pizza joints, I'm not going to order out from, you know, like, you, like sure. Elvez. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, but if the problem, like, to me, if you really want to stop the problem, at some point they are going to stop these restaurants from doing takeout. There will yeah. still be places that you can get food that you can cook in your house. But, I mean, not to sound alarmist, but Typhoid Mary, Right. Um, I mean, you can have a restaurant that doesn't have sit down food, but if you have a sick person in that restaurant and they're, they don't have good hygiene, they're dealing with customers and you know, a lot of these takeout situations, it's not like you have six feet of distance between you and the person. I'm just thinking worst case scenario, as we might need to be thinking, maybe these restaurants should not be doing this. I mean, it's not my decision to make, but it wouldn't surprise me a bit if they went to no restaurants of any kind, because again, wow. they'll be, people would still be able to get it, get food. They would right. be able to groceries and they would be able to cook for themselves. Or if the grocery stores shut down and the government is providing food rations to people, I mean, we're talking about far in the future, a horrible thing that we don't want to think about. Um, but ultimately there are a lot of people involved in this chain of getting food to people yeah. and the takeout thing, especially, you know, the Starbucks thing, do we really need Starbucks to be open? I, right. I don't know. Uh, I don't, Red, yeah. Is Reading yeah, is Reading Terminal still open? Right. But what's the, what's their lobbying power against the power of the guy on the corner selling coffee? You know, and how much yeah. of that? How much of that do you think plays into this? Like, you, you know, like Starbucks, they don't need you to buy gift cards. Well, the 
the, the, the city has just not, the city and state, they really haven't made any differentiations here. Like if you sell food to go, you are allowed to continue selling food to go. Starbucks sells sandwiches and muffins right. to go. So granted, most of their business is coffee. But, you know, it's interesting. Governor Wolf just came out with a new list today because people were like, he first came out with the sort of vague idea of non-essential businesses. And then today he came up with a list of, I think it was called life-sustaining. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I did like that beer distributors are still on they that list. They they actually, I, thought liquor, I thought liquor stores made the cut too on that list, no? No, liquor stores originally appeared to be okay, but they went out. But now the interesting thing is I think it's a real opportunity for local distilleries uh, because distilleries, while you can't go in and drink there at Blue Coat, for instance, and I don't even know if Blue Coat is open, but they can sell to go. Yep. Uh, so a couple of my friends who have distilleries in the city, you know, they're selling a lot of booze right now because you can't get booze legally, at least in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, other than going direct to the distillery. Mm. You, Did they you're, shut you're down looking... food trucks? Are food trucks shut down? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Softy was going down the street yesterday. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> There's reports of Mr. Softy in Philadelphia. I saw Mr. Softy parked in front of a closed playground, just <laughs> letting the meat. Like, what a sad yeah, sight that was. No, no but good news <laughs> is, Mr. Softy's not selling food. <laughs> so, you right. know, like, you got to, you know, what he's selling is also very important at this time of need. Uh, you know, Victor, you're. Um, you're you're seeing this thing across the spectrum of how it's affecting everybody from the big guys to the little guys, uh, you know, to the guys in between. What what do you have any sort of prediction, or is this just the wild west and there's no way to tell anything that's going to be the shakeout from this whole thing? Are the big guys going to hold on, or the little guys going to be able to find a new niche in terms of takeout? Like, do you have any prediction from what's gonna what's gonna shake out of this? You know, if I were the kind of person who ran around making shocking predictions, I would be on Fox News tonight and not sitting here in my music room talking to you three bums. <laughs> He's been out of space. Reese been kicked out of the house. I'm in the, I look like a hoarder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Reese, Reese got the, the ring video. <laughs> you guys still see me? I, I feel like I'm, I'm off of this thing now all of a sudden. Yeah. It does look like a ring video. Yeah, it looks like a rig video. It looks like you just rang my doorbell. You're looking good. <laughs> I mean, predictions, you. you know, all the predictions I have are sad predictions. You know, I have a lot of uh, uh, friends in the service industry, a ton of friends who are actors and other kinds of performers. Um, you know, they're not salaried employees. They're, you know, they're out of luck right now. And it remains to be seen how long until uh, they get unemployment, how long until, you know, what's happening with this Trump money. You know, there and a lot of them, I know many, many, many people who I probably know far more people in terms of people that I count as my friends uh, or close acquaintances who live paycheck to paycheck than who don't. So there are a lot of people suffering out there. I'm honestly not sure how to help them because there are so many of them that I know. Right. Uh, right. I didn't realize how much uh, until I started seeing like, you know, the GoFundMe start rolling in and um, it, it was it was it was very overwhelming just on how many people I know that are like, you know, they 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 don't have anything coming in now at all. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that it, this applies to all four of us. Like 
our friend, none of our friends have lobbying power. Right. Like n- none of our friends are like, you know, have some, a guy in DC with like a $4,000 suit. That's like, Oh, I need, you need to be sure to count these guys in. Hey like, man, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, like we, we, we just, we hang out with creative types and creative types I think are the ones that are going to be the last ones on the food chain. You feel right. Like Absolutely. I mean, you also asked me about predictions. Obviously, money's a thing. Uh, and I think I, we don't talk about it a lot. But one thing I'm nervous about, not necessarily in Philadelphia, but elsewhere in the country is civil unrest, yeah. uh, depending on how bad this gets. And, you know, one yep. of the other stories I did this week was I paid a visit to, um, you know, a gun shop. Uh, yeah, that's where we're going next. Yeah. Well, great segue. Uh, yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> I'll make you seem intelligent. Go ahead and ask me the question. <laughs> that's that's hard. <laughs> you know, I had my one of my closest friends. I've known him since we were like thirteen. He lives up in um, Tycone section, Wisconsin, and he was sending me screenshots. He said he was going to get bullets, but he couldn't get bullets because the line was like twenty, thirty people deep in this northeast Philly gun shop. And he showed me. Pictures from the outside, three different various times of the day, and it was still the same. Not the same. It was still 20 people in line outside, but a different 20 people every time he took the picture. Now, part of the reason for – definitely they're busy. Part of the reason for that is they're only letting two to four people in the store at a time. Um, So it creates a line outside. Um, The other thing is that background checks are taking quite a bit longer than normal uh, because the background check system is on overload. Um, but certainly, you know, the, the, uh, owner of the store that I went to in Northeast Philly, he said business was booming to quote him. He said, AR 15s are flying off the shelves. Jesus Christ. And he said that, um, you know, they've had, uh, far more Asian Americans buying weapons than they've ever seen before. I mean, I don't remember the statistic he gave me and it certainly wasn't a scientific one, but he said it was just insane. The number of Asian Americans they were seeing. You know, and he referenced 9-11 um, saying how, you know, he said, look how horrible what happened to the 7-Eleven owners, the gas station. Yeah, 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 yeah. After 9-11, and he kind of likened it to that, which is just weird to me because I live in a different world and I don't even think about China when I think about this. Yeah, like, what are you, you're going to, you're going to like shoot someone like, yeah, you, I, I got you for bringing that virus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that'll show you. Like, what? Right. But then you have, you know, the president of the country uh, right. going on right. TV and calling it the Chinese flu. So right. um, I think somebody needs to talk to him and say, you need to stop doing that. That's a good, good way to start. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're, I think they're saying it, but he's just not listening. You saw yeah. the photo. They had written coronavirus on his speech and he scratched it out and wrote Chinese flu himself. So, uh, you know, I, he's obviously instigating fear uh, with, the use of language, but, um, you know, I, the thing that was interesting about that story to me, Victor, is like, I'm a guy who I hate the NRA and I'm very, uh, anti-gun, even though I grew up in a, I grew up in a house that had a gun, but I'm, I, I hate the lobby, right? Like right. I, I, I support the second amendment, but I hate the lobby, but I had to admit like that guy sounded like a decent dude. Like the owner of the gun store, like I was ready to hate him and I read it and I was like, I kind of like this guy. Like everything he said yeah. made sense. He, he wasn't, you know, a lot of people when they think about guns, they have this image in their heads um, of what those people are all like. Well, just as in anything else, generalizing really doesn't work. And 
you know, he seems like a guy, his family's been in the gun business for over 70 years. Um, they've had that shop for 70 years. You know, his mother uh, and father opened it. Uh, and he's, he's doing mad business. And I think he is genuinely concerned about what's going to happen, but he certainly doesn't believe that he has to shut down. Um, you know, that store believes that they have every right to be open. Um, right. And I'm a little concerned about what's going to happen if the city goes there and says, you need to close. Um, what's going to happen if there's a standoff between a gun, sh a gun store um, and, a, and a city? Um, right. You know, I find it interesting that that like the gun stores aren't on the top of the list of things that need to close like that. Like that's like not even something that's been brought up yet. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I asked the city about it, and they confirmed that it needs to close down. Now, okay. I talked to the gun store owner again today. Um, the city doesn't really make a list of things that have to close mm -hmm. as much as they make a list of things that can stay open. So okay. then a lot of people have questions about like, oh, well, what about this and what about that? Now, mm -hmm. there was nothing on the city's general list that would suggest that a gun store could stay open. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, in due diligence, I asked the city and they said, no, gun stores have to close. Uh, the gun store owner was surprised to hear that. Now that was, I guess, two days ago that I, I was in the gun store and two days ago that I published that story. Um, I talked to the gun store owner today and he said that he still has not heard from the city. I, you know, I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it's that, you know, neither the city government or state government or federal government wants to call in the National Guard or wants to like a lot of this. They're hoping that social pressure is going to close a lot of things that they don't want to have to force to close. Do you feel like that's the case? Well, I think that that is the case to some extent, but a gun store is a little bit different because it involves Second Amendment issues. Um, so I think it's one thing, you know, when I did the story about the bars being open, I got a lot of hate mail about that and people imploring me to name the bars, um, <laughs> which I didn't do in the article. And we had an internal discussion about this at the magazine. Um, and that's one thing. And people were very upset about that those bars were open. Now, granted, I did, you know, hear from a handful of people that I never met before who were like, dude, I need a drink. Tell me where this bar is. And, <laughs> no, sorry. I thought that was between me and you, Victor. Come on, man. But um, but you know, so public opinion was against those bars being open, and you know, it continues to be a gun store. Yeah, there are a lot of people among us who think this is ridiculous. Gun store open at a time like this, but I have a lot of friends who think it's exactly the time when a gun store yeah. should be open. right. Right. And that same friend who was taking pictures, he was telling me, he was like, I'm begging you, buy a gun, please buy a gun, buy a gun. It's like, but there are a, a segment of the population who feel like that's a necessity right now. Well, my, my worry is that there's a lot of people that are buying guns, but they don't know how to shoot them or, sure. or well, clean them or, you know what I mean, or handle them. If you buy a gun this week and someone tries to steal your fucking beer tomorrow, like... Yeah, you're going to you're gonna end up shooting yourself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, the Plaxico Burris uh, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, so what is it? What have things been like at the magazine, Victor? Like you guys are, you know, you're typically covering the hottest new restaurant. You're typically covering, you know, whatever, you know, the the, the show that's air that's shooting in Philly this month. And now all of a sudden, you've been hit with, you know, like all of us have, just this thing out of the blue, just a right hook. What, what are the conversations like in the newsroom? 
Sure. So, you know, to your original point, absolutely. We do a lot of lifestyle stuff. We also write 7,000 word features on generational poverty. Um, but I get your point. You know, it is yeah, definitely yeah, a brand. Just give you a little fucking jab, Johnny. Boo, boo. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just it's just the truth. But I know that we do a lot of lifestyle things as well. Now, <laughs> excuse I mean, me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Recently, recently, in terms of our online coverage, we did a shift from sort of the idea of chasing the breaking news of the day to spending more time doing fewer stories, but stories that had more impact. Um, so just some more serious, well thought out, more research stories that instead of people producing a story a day or story every two days or every three days, some people were producing a story a week, um, you know, but these were longer and more deeply researched. Then, so that was in January, (laughs) then this happened. And now we find ourselves in a situation of like, wow, you know, we need to be coronavirus all the time. So we're really not doing anything that's unrelated to the coronavirus with the exception of uh, our website property, which is real estate. We do, I believe, one post a day because people love to look at these absolutely enormous, gorgeous houses for sale. They get a lot of clicks. And we can tell, I mean, they're always popular and we weren't sure if people people would want to see this right now. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, you know, I mean, what once we guillotine the billionaires, right. those yeah. homes will be ours, Victor. <laughs> we want to know what they look like. <laughs> yeah, Victor, absolutely. So, now, I mean, um, I think I think there's a just a. I mean, those posts that 99% of the people that look at those posts in general are voyeurs, right? Like they're not actually in the market for a 3.5 <laughs> million dollar house in Malvern. Right, um, it's Robin Leach. But we do need. I mean, I mean, look at what people are. Netflixing right now. They're, most of them aren't watching Outbreak. They're watching right. things that are a bit of escapism. And I would just say that our real estate posts, for instance, are um, as sort of the same thing, a little bit of voyeurism and escapism. Now, mm. uh, it's interesting because we were kind of wondering, well, what happens to our wedding channel, right? We have a very, very enthusiastic um, readership of our wedding channel, which is sort of another brand of Philly Mag. Um, and we were like, well, what do we do with weddings? Well, it turns out you have all these people who are, you know, they have wet, big weddings scheduled. They cancel them. And the, I think yesterday, the one couple in about 15 minutes planned a um, cer- <coughs> ceremony in Independence Park. And it looked absolutely lovely. We're running a bunch of stories of people on how they're changing their wedding plans. And so, they're actually really interesting. Um, right. We, I mean, they're not, I'm not in the wedding market. Um, so I don't typically read our wedding content, but this content I am reading because it's about how the coronavirus is affecting real people at this incredibly important time in their lives. So, um, and then you look at the uh, food channel that we have, which is extremely popular, FUBU's. You're like, what do you do with that? All the restaurants are closed. Well, you know, they're doing a lot of things. They're talking, you know, there was a great story, I think that we did uh, earlier today um, you know, because a lot of restaurants are having problems with the insurance companies because the insurance companies are saying, whoa, you're not covered in a pandemic. And that story, right. that story explores, well, what do you do if your insurance company doesn't cover you? Uh, you can check it out at fubus.com. Um, we are doing uh, these really nice recipes that are like five ingredients, things you commonly have in your house. 
we're focusing on instead of dining out, dining in. So we've got prominent chefs from all over the city who are, you know, turning over five ingredient, six ingredient recipes. So you kind of like have to like take a, take a step back and say, okay, these are different times. The world has changed almost overnight. We have a large readership. Our FUBU's readership is huge. People come to us for restaurant information and they're coming to us now for like how to eat in this crisis. We're doing stuff on takeout restaurants. We're going to be doing a lot on fundraising for uh, restaurant workers. Uh, so there's a lot to be done. Um, and for me, I mean, I'm, I'm running all over the place. Every morning I do a sort of roundup of what's, what happened overnight. Um, you know, these are sort of like four to five items in the post uh, where instead of doing, you know, 2000 words on, um, you know, the Jersey Shore telling people to stay away that the Inquirer might do, you know, I kind of do my own summary of it with using my own voice and, you know, they have, have a slightly different spin on all these things. Yeah. Um, and then I'm chasing stories like the gun owners. I'm chasing stories like, um, you know, the bars being open. I mean, you know me and the kind of stories I look for. I'm trying sure. to find the stories that not everybody else is telling. Yeah, well, you so what I wanted to ask is like, go ahead, Greg, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to ask, like, you know, as someone that I'm able to tune out the, the noise a little bit, um, but as someone that's in the, in the thick of it as a newsman, how are you dealing with all this, your mental health, anxiety, all that other stuff? Because you're seeing this stuff before us, like, all day, every day. Well, it's funny you mentioned the mental health, because when Johnny asked me if I use Zoom, I told him, <laughs> I told him you know what, I just used Zoom for the first time this afternoon, meaning earlier today, and what it was, was to do a telehealth session with a therapist. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How was that? Which is a true story. I mean, it's weird doing it uh, yeah. over the over the computer screen, but it certainly was helpful. She didn't have a green screen. I'll say that much. Um, but it was How bizarre. Would that have been? But, but hey, not everybody's still loaded these days. You know, the economy's down. Not everybody can afford a green screen. Yeah, Look at you, man, know. just rubbing it in our faces. But it was helpful yeah, with, all, with all that virtual quizzo money I'm making. <laughs> But how was it? Because I, I go to therapy every other week, and they're trying. They want to set up uh, the the virtual session like this. Was it helpful? It was definitely helpful. I mean, and this is a person I've known for a long time. I haven't seen her routinely uh, uh, until fairly recently, uh, but she's somebody that my family has known for a long time. So she kind of like already knows my quirks and you know, meaning that what a pain in the ass I can be. Yeah. Um, so sitting down with her is just easy wasn't ideal doing doing it over the computer but it, it, i think it's important right now that we it's mental health is not something that we like to talk about um and i don't have any like diagnoses or anything like that but i get anxious and in times like these like anxiety level is through the roof yeah, and right. it's funny you asked me reef you asked me about work and seeing it all the time mm -hmm. it's like I do, and it's great on one hand because I have work and I'm extremely busy. So I'm not like left to all my thoughts all the time. I'm not like staring at the ceiling at night because I'm writing articles. Right, um, right. But at the same time, it's like, oh my God, I'm writing, like I'm basically covering all of this horrible stuff that's going on. So it's really important to try to figure out how to do that, how to work that out. And I'm taking like very active steps um, you know, giant Valium pills every day, for instance. Nice. Uh, nice. Um, nice. I'm, I'm taking, you know, uh, very preventative measures. My wife and I had a long conversation 
about it because she can see how it's affecting me. I'll give you one example, just kind of a silly thing. Um, today I did a piece and we're going to do it every Friday, which is, uh, I don't remember the title, but something to the effect of, uh, you know, here are six awesome things that actually I like happened. This. I like this piece today. I liked it. Yeah, it's like it lets me write about how we're living in the age of coronavirus, but in a very positive way. So I talked about, you know, the flower bombing of Rittenhouse Square yesterday. I talked about how um, all these fish town houses put up rainbows on different houses and the kids went on a scavenger hunt to find yeah. which houses had the rainbows on them. So as bad as this gets, there are still going to be those little beautiful human moments, even if it's like the the young, the teen in the neighborhood who winds up uh, mowing everybody's lawns for free or, uh, you know, baking, you know, a bunch of pies for, uh, you know, the older people in the neighborhood or, you know, whatever. I'm just uh, spitballing. No, no, no. no, I got you. What no matter you how bad it gets, there's always going to be some glimmer of hope out there because it's yeah. not the end of the world. Yeah. It's the end of the world as we know it, but it's right. not the end of the world. Yeah, look right. for the helpers. The Mr. Rogers, John, look for the helpers. Yeah. Look for right. the helpers. Uh, is, is your eye is your eye for a story totally different than what it was two weeks ago? Um, I would say that it has expanded. There are other stories that I am looking into right now that are not coronavirus related um, that involve some prominent people in the city and some things surrounding them that they probably wouldn't want to get have. Uh, out. So I'm definitely still looking for the, the scandals attached to the big names. Of course, that's sort of part of my, um, <laughs> my repertoire, uh, let's say. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm doing basically doing coronavirus 24 seven. Um, right. I'm definitely looking for new ways into it. Again, not just doing, listen, the inquirer is doing a fabulous job. Uh, you know, frankly, I would say they're the only real other major voice out there that's doing a lot of good work in this realm. WHYY done some stuff. The Philly Voice haven't really seen anything from them. I don't know what the heck they're up to. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, you know, the Inquirer. If you want all the breaking news, you know, at, at, at a lightning uh, pace, then you know the Inquirer definitely has that for you. I mean, they they are little literally publishing like. 80 word articles <laughs> you know it's like right. this thing happens it's like uh oh here it is you know it's up there um right. that's, that's not what we're doing we're not staffed to do that they do that very well we're doing something different yeah I, question like like it, you know like we we live in extraordinary times and this especially in these past two weeks do you feel any sort of like you know you look at it you like ernie pile with world war ii like do you, do you as a journalist take that responsibility of, okay, we've entered this new realm that is unlike, like this will be the biggest probably month of our lives. And, and for you as a journalist, do you take an extra level of responsibility for what you produce in this next month or two? Well, I think you're forgetting about the uh, month I spent covering the Swiss cheese pervert. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I would love to know what he's doing right about now. And how monumental he's for that cheese, man. Was. He's on the we hunt for cheese. We were talking about that two days <laughs> ago. Cheese, of course you were. But uh, no, I, I mean, listen, I have always, I do a wide range of stories, right? Like I do, I have done completely silly stories about ridiculous people, stories that have, only really been to entertain 
um, not necessarily to change the world. I've also done, you know, huge feature stories about institutional, institutional sexual assault in the Lower Marion uh, school system. Uh, I've done stories about, you know, women being uh, roofied at a certain very popular South Philly bar and what the police are doing about it. But yes, I have sir. this wide range and a lot of people only associate me with the, the kind of like silly scandalous stuff. Um, but I do have it in me to do quote unquote real journalism. Um, and I find myself doing much more of that now. And I will tell you that I keep getting so many, it's, it's heartwarming and it drives me because I keep getting messages from people, some of whom I kind of know and some of whom I barely know or even don't know, saying thank you so much for the work that you're doing. They see how busy I am. They see that I'm really trying to keep them informed. Um, and the nice thing about working for Philadelphia Magazine too is that a lot of publications, you don't really have a voice. You know, it's kind of like, here are the facts. Right. At Philadelphia Magazine, like, we're told you need to have a take. You need to have a voice. We need right. to read Victor Fiorillo in the article. So it's nice because I can kind of bring my own sensibilities to it, um, it, unlike working at some other places. So I really enjoy that. I can inform people, but I don't have to do it in a blah, 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 robotic way. That's right. Hey, when you go to these, um, like to the gun shop and to the speakeasy, I mean, do you identify yourself as a writer? And if so, how do they, how do they take that? Do they embrace you? Are they offish to you? Do they hate you? So the gun shop was pre-announced. Um, and it so happened that the Saturday, last Saturday, my son and I um, got our hunting licenses in Pennsylvania at the Elverson Rod and Gun Club in Chester County. So when I went to um, send a message to the, uh, the owner of the gun shop, I made sure to mention that uh, because obviously yeah. these folks are approached by a lot of journalists who are like just no guns, no way. I'm not, I don't own an NRA card. Um, you know, I'm not like some crazy gun dude. I think a lot of the guns on the street have no business being on the street. But I have a lot of friends who are like, we need to get rid of all guns. And I think that's equally as ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So when I approached him, you know, I said, um, you know, here, this is who I am. I'm not an anti-gun guy. My son and I just got our hunting licenses last weekend. Um, you know, I'm kind of more in the middle. He agreed to talk to me. We had a great conversation. He was very open with me. Um, so there are times when I do identify myself and there are times when things are just happening where I might not identify myself. Like if I'm in public and something's happening, you know, I don't need to put up my hand and say, oh, hey, I'm a journalist, you know, because I, I, I'm there to I write about what happens. You know, there's a little bit of weirdness surrounding the speakeasy story. Um, so you were saying you got, you got a lot of uh, hate mail for that? Yeah, in terms of identifying myself, I mean, the – the original place that I went to, the, the bartender certainly knows that I am a journalist and I talked to him and he asked me to uh, not name the place, which I agreed to do. Because, That's fair. Because yeah. I couldn't get, the, I couldn't get, I couldn't be there if I named the place. Right. Of course. Now, I didn't name the other two places because they would tend to identify in a certain sort of way. 
because I said in the story that they were close by. If you figure out where the one place is, you're going to know where the other two places are with sort of, you know what I mean? Um, And I just felt that I had a pretty clear understanding with that first bar owner that I was not going to make them identifiable. Um, Now I got a lot of hate mail, including from some prominent people in Philadelphia, hate mail and also just uh, letters of concern, let's say, um, from people who said that I was contributing to the public health crisis by not outing these places. Now, what I told them is that even though I didn't name them, I had, I had good reason to believe that these places, I shouldn't say these places, but places that were open were already on the radar of the state. And the state did not take action against any of these places until Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Yeah. Well, listen, my, my whole thing with all that is like, you know, at the end of the day, if someone wants to open up their house, and have serve alcohol. There's nothing we can do. People are going to do what they're going to do. You know what I mean? So you, you didn't, you saying who it is doesn't change the fact that if they get shut down, there'll be another one open tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, people were saying I had a moral obligation. I would say I had an obligation to that bar uh, because honestly, I wouldn't have had a story. What would my story have been if right. I didn't, couldn't talk to anybody there? Right. Um, so I told the story. The information was already, the authorities already knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I know that not referring to any of the bars that I went to, but I know of people who reported other bars in the same general vicinity of the bars that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So there were people in the community who knew that these bars were open, some of these bars were open, and they reported them. I mean, actually, I was told, and I, I, you know, I'm just telling you this as this is what I heard by somebody in a position to know um, that a bar owner that shut down is one of the people who reported one of the bars that stayed open. Because he was like, I'm losing money. I did the right thing. Now These guys, you know, a mile down the road, they're going to be open. I don't think so. So my understanding is that he may have been one of the people, but my understanding is also that there were a lot of people who complained. You know, these are neighborhood bars. We're not, there are people who live in the neighborhood. Granted, there's a lot of people who wanted bars to stay open, but there are a lot who are looking at the numbers on TV and saying, no, 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 this is not good. You can come have whiskey at home. You don't need to go to the bar. Right. Right. And the story isn't the bar. The story is that there's bars open. And if you can find them, the authority should be able to find them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was very easy for me to find. Like I said, the front door was open. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was neon on at the other one. <laughs> neon on <laughs> right. So I, yeah. I might just have a fatwa on me right now is what I understand. Uh, uh, I hear some, I, I got some interesting Facebook requests the other day, like friend requests from people who are connected to some of these bars and I'm not friends with them. So I can only imagine that they were trying to reach out to me, you know, I don't know why, but yeah, these are people connected to bars that got shut down. Yeah. So anyway, and we talked about this last time. Any, like, I might like not be much... spending any time in those neighborhoods for a few months. Right, right, right. But then yeah, again, I might not be allowed time. to. How much does that stuff, how much does that stuff bother you? Well, you know, you know that I get a lot of hate mail. Um, <laughs> there are certainly- Some, some of it from me. Right? <laughs> Right. Each, each year after Best of Philly, there's one right. email from me. <laughs> um, 
you know, there are certain situations where I feel threatened. And when uh, I did the story about uh, Mike Tyler, the guitar player, um, who we can now yeah. talk about since he's been sentenced to 14 years in prison for uh, what he did to a young boy in South Philly. Um, that was a story where, you know, I felt I had a, I was told I had an army coming after me and I looked up some of these people who were contacting me and, you know, these were not great people. Right. Um, so, you know, I, listen, I'm not stupid. I realize that what I does upsets a lot of people. Uh, I've done it for 18 years now and have managed to uh, <laughs> remain largely unscathed. And, uh, you know, I take precautions. Right. Gotcha. So uh, if, we're, if we're talking about hate, is, uh, is Bruce Springsteen still the most hate mail you've gotten? I think that Bruce Springsteen, if not in terms of volume, in terms of volume, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I like that you, that your biggest, your, most of your death threats came from Bruce Springsteen and my buddy, uh, our, our mutual friend, D-Mac, most of him, it's still 13, 14 years later, came from the Smarty Jones story. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Good old. All right. Let's, let's take it to the blunt. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's make it move quick. We're going to hit you with some uh, fast questions. You're going to give us some fast answers. I can do that. By the way, what's everybody drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, Yards Pale. Nice. Is that a sponsor of the Philly Blunt? We it wish. is not a sponsor of Philly Blunt, but we did have Kehoe on. He was a fantastic. Uh, he was a fantastic guest, and I think now more than ever, anybody listening, like obviously support everybody local. Like let's let's draw inward a little bit and let's let's take care of our people here. Yep. I was drinking a local Kinsey Rye, and now I've moved on to. West Coast Lagunitas IPA all day. Love Lagunitas. Yeah. 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 I'm drinking champagne with strawberry lemonade from Wawa, aka a Bellini. Wow. A Bellini. Is that true? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This guy, this guy really is on vacation. He's at the Jersey Shore. He's drinking champagne. He's just in the sand right now, just chilling. Awesome. What are you drinking, Victor? Well, uh, I am drinking, uh, let's see, a beef eater and tonic in my special vintage uh, Rome glass. I don't know if you can see that. Nice. Very nice glass. I've got a set of eight of these. We've got the Hague, London, Athens, uh, Rome, and I can't remember where else. Yeah, Uh, that's a great looking glass. Now, the reason that I went for, I told you I was going to do martinis. Yeah, um, right. But then I saw my doctor, Dr. Mike, on Fox 29 this morning. <laughs> you knew Dr. Mike from uh, Fox 29 and uh, Preston and Steve show. He's my uh, personal doctor. And he was talking about how they're now testing an anti-malaria drug and it, its efficacy on this virus. So I switched to gin and tonics. The tonic has quite, what do you, how you pronounce it? Quinine? quinine? Yeah, quinine. Yeah, that's how they say that. Malarial properties. That's how America built the Panama Canal. Yes. And this like, is how fake news happens. Somebody yes, tomorrow is going to say, Victor Fiorillo said, drink gin and your, <laughs> and your coronavirus will go away. It's going to happen, it's, I promise. It's gone. Like, we built the Panama Canal because of the gin and tonic. <laughs> I love these glasses. 
They are they are terrific. And I'm using the Rome one in solidarity with my ancestors there. In oh, a, I feel that. And, and, and also because we're currently living through it again. Yes. <laughs> yes. How the about that? The fall of Rome is happening right now. Did you guys see the canals in Venice, how clear they are? It's amazing. What? We are the virus, man. We're the virus. Canals. The canals are clear. There's like dolphins swimming in them and stuff now. Yeah. It's all. It's us, man. We are it. We're the reason. Yeah. My yeah. buddy said the earth is correcting itself, and it might be true. That's some yeah, real shit. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's, let, let's take it to the blunt. Um, uh, Victor, I'll start it off. Uh, where are you getting takeout these days? Ah, oh, you bastard. I have not been getting takeout. Um, I've been doing a lot of grocery store shopping and cooking at home. I made an excellent uh, pork loin yesterday. My wife has been doing quite a bit of cooking. Um, however, however, um, I think that this weekend we might order takeout from Pika's Pizza in Upper Darby. How is that pizza? As good as I hear? Well, you know, uh, my good friend Tina Fey loves it. So I think that's good enough for me. Now we, we Liz Lemon. If Liz Lemon likes it, I like it. <laughs> right. We go there for uh, so uh, we can't sit down and eat there. So uh, we would probably get a large pepperoni pizza. It's a the rectangular kind. They use a very nice pepperoni, not your standard. Um, and we would get a large escarole soup with that, and then make a salad at home. So we might do that this weekend. I do. I do think that. Things are going to escalate to a certain level where we might not be able to get takeout food like that for a certain period of time. So I want to get one more takeout meal in me before uh, yeah. that yeah. happens. Yeah. Who's what do you up? got, I'm out. <clears throat> Rite Aid, CVS, or Walgreens? CVS. Uh, CVS is closest to my house. There are actually three close to my – I mean, like how – I could literally uh, drive to three CVSs in about from my house right now with no traffic. It would take me about 10 minutes to go to three CVSs. <laughs> All right. Give us a story that you pitched that sounds ridiculous in a headline. <laughs> with no real context. Right. Uh, you want me to give you a headline that I pitched or a story – I'm sorry, this is far too complicated. I'm no, trying, okay, so just I'm do the headline think, then. I'm trying to think of a good answer for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, guy, the guy's slamming gin and tonics, Reef. I mean, yeah. this is, I'm I mean, I just... In his wrong glass. I'm still on my same one. Yeah, no, nah, just a story <laughs> you pitched that, like, if you didn't have context, sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. You know, it's funny. I can't think of one. What I'm trying to think of is a story that I pitched mm -hmm. that they said no to, um... And because I think that would actually be interesting because I can't think of what you're asking me. Yeah. Um, and actually, I have one that's relevant. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, I went to, I, I went out while this was all starting. You know, it was all like, we were all kind of like coronavirus, coronavirus, but not the way we are now. And uh, I went to a couple of bars and restaurants just observing the hygiene of the customers, the hygiene of the wait staff, <laughs> the way that they were handling plates, glasses, and things like that. And I kind of like randomly threw out this. I mean, I throw out a lot of ideas, right? It's not like a formal process. It's like, uh -huh. hey, what if I do this piece about this and this and this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, they declined to do it. Uh, 
they said it sounded alarmist, and I agree that it was. <laughs> listen, listen, in, in their defense, we didn't know then what we know right. now, and it right. would have been alarmist and irresponsible to do that right. then. Right. Obviously, now, a totally different situation. Of course. So I'm sorry that I didn't answer your question. but No, I'm you did. You did in a way. You do. Okay. So it would be like stinky people handling food. What? Question mark. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was trying to blow people up a month ago, and now he can only blow them up now. Right. You know, uh, what, where, what, what good comes of this in Philadelphia, and what's the negatives of this situation in Philadelphia? And like, if we're looking, if, if we're having this conversation again in one year, what, what are we going to say? The good came of it, and what's the bad that came of it? This is a block. I think I think yeah, there's rapid fire questions. I think <laughs> I think that there are going to be a lot of come together moments. Um, there are going to be a lot of examples of Philly really. I mean, listen, you're going to see this all over the country, but Philly didn't really have a 9/11, right? And the way that New York came together after 9/11, I think that Philly. Would, could show a lot of those signs too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right? And I think that would be great and bond us all together. I, I, you know, again, I'm not a guy who gets paid to go on Fox News and pontificate, but, you know, obviously the economic disaster could be incredible. We could lose a lot of uh, great, you know, people in the city, um, you know, deaths, uh, you know, from the virus. Uh, again, civil unrest, seeing the worst that Philly has to offer. I think ultimately at the end of the day, we're going to come out strong and we're going to have more to talk about in terms of Philly showing its best side than we are to have talk to talk about Philly showing its worst side. Okay. So yeah. I think on this, on the balance sheet, we're going to come out better. We're going to okay. come out better. Cool. Nice. Know exactly Great. how that's going to play out, but we're going to come out better. I do believe that. Uh, when's the last time you bought Swiss cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I generally only buy provolone cheese. I mean, other than if I'm doing a cheese plate, uh, you know, if I'm having a dinner party and we want to get some goat, we want to get some raw cow, that kind of thing. But I can't think of the last time I bought Swiss cheese. I could think of, uh, you know, maybe three years ago, I ordered a turkey and Swiss at Wawa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just mentioned a dinner party. Give me a, a fascinating guess that you would love to have at your dinner party. Anyone in the world, alive or dead, past or present? Well, I would probably go with somebody like Donald Trump. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to sit across the table from him. I mean, he'd be he'd be pissed if you didn't have a bunch of Big Macs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't ask me who I would want to, you know, learn a lot from or be inspired by, <laughs> but I, I would like to sit across the table from from him and. Mm -hmm try to have a conversation. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, this is just, mm -hmm. it's mind boggling to me that this man exists, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that he remains in power. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I, and I can't think of anybody right now in our world who has the power to do so much terrible in the world, but he also has the power to do good and do the right thing. He's done he a lot. He's done a lot wrong, but he still has time. He's never going to come out historically as a, as a good president. He's going to come <laughs> out historically as a horrible president. But in the crisis that we're in right now, 
the man, th- this is a come to Jesus moment for him. And we all know how much he loves Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I he he like, likes all the books of the Bible. Right. Uh, you know, I think that he needs to step up. I would love to have him over for dinner um, and, uh, you know, slip a little something extra in his food. Just some of the basil in my garden. That my there you dog go. Wink, 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 yeah, wink. Yeah. What, 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 what are you listening to this week? What, what, what's the album or the song that, that you're playing in this one of the strangest weeks of our lives? I don't remember the last time I listened to music other than for uh, research for my band, Martha Graham Cracker. Um, I'm not a person who tends to listen to music. Um, I have a, a turntable and a bunch of old records and I randomly just stick them on. Um, oh, I will say that a couple of weeks ago on the, um, I guess, Apple TV or some device, I put on uh, I put on like, you know, how they have 50 million different quote unquote stations. I put on some kind of like uh, uh, reggae uh, station called like the burning spliff or something like that. Um, <laughs> burning that's spear. Very, that's very, whatever. That's very unusual for me. I listen to NPR a lot. Um, I find myself doing that, you know, more than ever now. Um, but music tends to be about me doing research for my band or actually, you know, my kids, my daughter plays harp, my son plays cello. My son and I are working on a duet right now together. So like I listen to, Yo-Yo Ma playing that song, for instance, to kind of hear how it's quote-unquote supposed to go. Mm. Uh, and my son claims that Yo-Yo Ma can only play it that well because Yo-Yo Ma has like a $5 billion cello. <laughs> we, 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 we actually had an interview with uh, Alexandra, who is one of Philly's best violinists, and she made a similar point. She was like, a good violinist can sound great with the right violin and a great violinist can sound only good with a mediocre violin, which was fascinating to me. No, it's very, it's very interesting, but I'm not going to spend $500 billion on a cello for him at this point in his life. Sure. Understandable. I mean, I'm a guy who owns a harp, but I don't have a car that can transport the harp. Think about that. (laughs) We see the harp behind you. Like literally when. Appreciate the backdrop. But literally, when my daughter performs with Martha Graham Cracker, I have to borrow somebody's minivan to drive the harp to the venue and then carry it up the steps. And all are, there, are there no small harps? Harps have well, to be large? So she wanted to play harp since she was three years old. We're not sure why. When she was about five, I found this uh, really nice folk harp handmade um, at a thrift store in Narstown. It was like 80 bucks. It was really nice. Um, and I brought it home. And I showed it to her and she's a very uh, grateful person. She's not a materialistic type at all, but she said, daddy, that's not a real harp. A real harp is big. And yeah, and she was basically right. Uh, That was like a small Celtic harp. This is a concert. Well, this is a called a lever harp. Uh, It's not what you would use to play with the Philadelphia Orchestra, but there are people who tour tour all over the world playing this harp. Yeah, This, this is my last blunt. You like, you're a hunter now. If you had to watch a hunting show, you watch Elmer Fudd or Duck Dynasty. I've never seen Duck Dynasty. I do remember with fondness Elmer Fudd, although not long ago, I remember seeing somewhere uh, one of those Bugs Bunny era uh, uh, cartoons, and it was censored. 
which kind of shocked me. There was a scene where I think Bugs Bunny gets shot or something and goes floating up uh, to heaven on clouds playing actually a harp uh, as an angel. And they cut that scene from the cartoon. Um, I, I found that very disturbing. But I have more things to be disturbed by now than that. Right. Yeah. If only that could be the most disturbing thing going on right now. Yeah. It was Bugs yeah. Bunny being censored. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my last blunt. Um, father to father, how are you dealing with this with your kids? What are you telling them? How are you guys getting along? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a fluid situation and we're sort of at the beginning of it. I think that yesterday we had a great discussion about this and we continue to, um, you know, they're 12 and 14, um, you know, so they're not little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, you know, pretty well informed. Uh, we definitely are the kind of people who talk truthfully with them about things. We don't, you know, hide things, uh, right. from them, uh, typically. Um, so, you know, they're going to be well informed. Um, I do like the New York times, uh, children section. I think that it does a good job of explaining things, I mean, they're capable of reading the, the New York Times standard edition, mm-hmm. but I just think that the New York Times children's section breaks it down in a, a way that is a little bit easier and more enjoyable for them to absorb. So sure. I think that's a good source. Um, mostly we're just trying to keep busy. They've been busy with school because they, they go to school from like nine until three most days because uh, they're privileged to go to a school that gives them laptops and they have online learning. For sure. Um, I know a lot of kids aren't in that position. So, mm. um, so, you know, we're keeping busy. There's going to be a lot of scrabble in our future. Um, <laughs> they were just talking about doing a marathon of all the Harry Potter movies in one day. Nice. Um, and I have to say, I've never seen a single Harry Potter movie. So that's going to be a very long day for me. <laughs> I'm kind of more like, can we do a Godfather marathon? There you go. There you go. My wife just kind of looks at me. I'm like, they're living through coronavirus. They can watch the Godfather. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, I'll wrap it up. What should people be binge watching right now? People are sitting home and, and they're trying to find something to watch. What would you recommend? Yeah, so the thing is, is that I know a lot of people are looking for um, escapism and comedies. <laughs> Literally, the only thing I watch are like the darkest, most twisted, evil dramas that there are. So like, I love The Killing on Netflix, but that is like one of the bleakest, darkest shows that there is. You see, the other day I was watching that HBO um, documentary series uh, that came out years ago about those three or four kids who got convicted of uh, basically killing young kids in some sort of devil worshiping thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember that. Well, I remember the satanic panic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Um, And uh, I watched stuff like that. uh, The sinner on USA. Again, another dark and twisted show. Um, oh, well, you know, actually, I will, I will say that well, I well, What if people don't want to watch something about, you know, uh, satanic killings, Victor? What would you recommend they binge watch? <laughs> okay. So, let's, just, let's just say hypothetically. <laughs> let's just I forgot, say. I forgot that uh, Dispatches from Elsewhere is out, uh, which was, of course, filmed in Philly. I've seen the first four episodes, loved three of the four. 
Eve Lindley, the actress who plays the romantic lead opposite uh, Jason Siegel, is amazing. Yes. This is going to be a huge... She's going to go from being basically a nobody to being a huge star after this. Yeah. So I would encourage people to watch Dispatches, even from like the Philly location spotting. Yeah. Uh, Yo, I think, I think it was so dope how Jason Siegel, Andre 3000, like they were just roaming the city. People were taking pictures left and right with them. Like that was a really, really cool thing when they were here filming. They really like embraced the city. Because I got a pic with Andre 3000. I know Mad Friends did. And I know people got mad uh, pictures with Jason. They said they were all like down-to-earth, humble guys. So I'm going to watch that show just off the strength of how great they were uh, when they were here. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that is worth watching. And um, other than that, you know, I'm just, I watch things that are dark and depressing and uh, horrifying. So, oh, <laughs> but wait, I just got a trial for YouTube TV, that new service that they do, the YouTube TV. Um, right. uh, I, God, I sound like an old person calling the, it. The um, YouTube, the YouTube hey, TV. Who's, who's ready to watch the YouTube TV? And listen, listen, Turner Classic Movies is on YouTube TV. I, oh, my favorite thing to watch are old black and white movies. Oh, listen, man. Especially film noir, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. TCM is now on YouTube TV. I got a three month free trial. Mm -hmm. If you can get one of those, get that yeah. and just watch movies from like 70 years ago when nobody yeah. could have imagined oh, the coronavirus. Yo, yeah. before, before children, my, my lady could be found. Hey, how's it going? Um, before, before children, my, <laughs> before children, my lady could be found sitting on the couch at like two in the morning watching Turner classic. Like, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, my wife and I love watching that. She's actually watching right now from upstairs. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Suchita, because listen, I can be a very difficult person as most of you can imagine What? Dealt with me over the years, but can you imagine being married to me? This woman who's so beautiful. She met me 20 years ago at Bob and Barber's this July 27th. Uh, and we are still together. We got married two, two years later. We've had our ups and downs. And I would not want to ride through this storm with anybody but Suchita Fiorillo. Shout out. Shout out. That's love right yeah. there. I, I understand. I think all of our, I think we all are very, very grateful for the women we have in our lives right now. Cause we'd be Absolutely. out here. Yeah. We'd be in the street with a diaper on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just screaming at the heavens. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Victor, we thank you so hey, much. Thank you for coming on with us. I'll strum the harp real quick, just so you can have a nice end to the. Perfect know. send off. Perfect yeah. send off. Just strum that harp. Perfect. <laughs> Last night we had Queeter, or Wednesday night we had Queeter uh, sing us off. Now no, it's just gonna, it's just gonna get wilder, man. We gotta, yeah, yeah. This is gonna get, yeah. It's gonna go off the rails. All right, everybody, yeah. take it easy. All right, we'll see you guys. Uh, hopefully Monday night. We got, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back on Monday. Thanks, Victor. Hey, <laughs> <Later>, brother. <laughs> Later. Just the sound of Philadelphia. Welcome to the home of brotherly love. Brothers covered in blood. The man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short. Swept